politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Today on What the Hack with Adam Levin, discover the alarming reality behind the rise in mail theft and check fraud as one man's six-figure check is stolen and learn how to prevent the same from happening to you. Yeah, you know, according to the U.S. Postal Service, there were over 300 instances of mail carriers being robbed between October 1st, 2022 and March 31st, 2023. It's a much higher rate than the previous year, and I'm guessing it was all due to you, Travis. You should stop this. <laughs> I do like to uh, punch mailmen and take their keys. That's terrible. <laughs> you should. I mean it. It's really time to stop. We should get help. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, though, during that same time, there were over 25,000 mail theft cases. I don't know what to tell you. Be careful. I mean, you got to send. I think I'm just going to start saying, you know, I would have sent you the money, but I didn't want to get robbed. So I didn't. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and with that, welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. Hi, Alexander. Well, that's not exactly your name. We normally ask people where they're coming from and what their names are, but in order to protect the innocent in a very interesting conversation today, we are identifying our guest as Alexander. Okay, so we're going to call him Sasha because that's the Russian diminutive of Alexander. So they might call you Alexander. Alexander, I'm calling you Sasha. The other thing that's going to happen today is we're going to assume that Sasha is coming to us from... Mm, Norway. I was going to say Togo, but uh, so here we are. He's he's already annoyed with us. <laughs> so Alexander, what do you do for a living? I work at a large, well-known financial institution as a private banker. And what brings you on our show today? Well, I had a very interesting situation that happened to a client of mine. And as a longtime listener and fan of the show... I think it's very interesting what happened. I think that there's some lessons that can be learned that will help out your audience. What happened exactly? So I was on vacation in Turks and Caicos and got a frantic call from a client who's a C-suite executive at a very large publicly traded company that a check that he had written out to the county treasurer's office for his vacation home had some fraud on it. Now, this was a this was a check to pay his property taxes. It was his annual property tax check that is in uh, the six figures. Okay, so what kind of money are we talking about here? 
Well, more than 100,000 and less than 500,000. So he has a little, he has a modest house somewhere. That's like somebody <laughs> reporting on a federal form. What's your net worth? Oh, somewhere between 500,000 and 2 billion. <laughs> Pretty big check to send in the mail. He had a poor experience when he FedEx a check once. So to avoid that issue, they decided to send it regular mail. He did drop it off at the post office. He didn't drop it in a mailbox on the street corner. But I guess it didn't matter, did it? Because it, it got stolen, right? Correct. He received a notice from the county treasurer's office saying that his bill hadn't been paid. He was accruing penalties in interest. And with a check like that, I imagine no matter how wealthy you are, you, you check to see if something like that has been cashed. Had it been? So when the client found out, they immediately contacted an attorney. And the attorney was able to figure this out actually very quickly. So was the check cashed right away? The check was cashed probably 10 days after the check was mailed. If one is looking at one's account and one sends a check to a government authority, 10 days seems to be not an unreasonable amount of time. It would look kosher if you were just looking at the account as opposed to actually clicking on many accounts now have pictures of the front and back of the check. So you can actually see who cashed it. Most people wouldn't think to look at the picture on the back and see that who cashed it. Is that is that what he did? They were able to figure out that the check was deposited in another financial institution, large national bank, approximately four days after the check was mailed. A account that was opened up in a name that was similar to the pay to on the check. In this case, in, instead of saying county treasurer's office, it said comity, C-O-M-I-T-Y, treasurer's office, LLC. There was a California-based business that was set up through the state in that name that was then able to be used to open up the checking account. And promptly four days after the check had been cashed, the uh, entity had been closed out. The entity that was opened replaced the word county with the word comity. Is that right? Correct. C-O-M-I-T-Y, which roughly looked like the spelling on the pay to the order of. That's amazing to me with a check that size that people wouldn't be a little more dot and T crossingly, uh, you know, accurate. But I guess I guess that's one of the many things that a, a scam relies on. Correct. Even at a large bank, one can know a teller at that large bank. And so if there's an inside person on the scam, which is believable when we're talking about somewhere between $100,000 and $500,000, because that's a rather big chunk of change, there might be an inside person. So that could be the easiest explanation for how that check got through. Uh, do you have any sense of how that part of it went down? Well, the lawyer just figured out kind of where the check ended up. The two institutions are conducting an investigation onto you know, that issue. Okay, so that's still ongoing. I don't know anything regarding the investigation. I just know it's ongoing. 
these tend to take up to 180 days. And what I was told was based on the size of the check, the other bank would most certainly take all of those days before they would admit any sort of liability. Being in the banking industry, I, I do know that you can't just show up to a bank and say, hi, I'm Alexander. I'd like to open up a checking account. And they say, here you go, Alexander. You know, you need to provide some sort of identification, at least one form of identification. You need to have an address or need to go through a, a KYC or know your customer process. So, you know, the ability to open up this account and not have it be an actual human being, you know, there, there must be, you know, a fake driver's license or something like that. Or as someone mentioned earlier, it could have been an inside job. We did a show with Dr. David Maiman where we talked about how driver's licenses and fake IDs have played a major role in bank fraud. Yep, and this is an example of what Maiman was talking about. There could have been an inside person, there could be a fake ID here, who knows what else? This could be a really complex crime. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't, like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance an electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So your client sent in the check. He mailed the check via U.S. Post Office. Now, the theory is someone intercepted the check and created a company or a bank account with a similar looking name. And it sounds like the criminal or criminals were pretty organized because they had created an entity that was designed to accept 
this specific check. Correct. The entity was created based on the legibility or illegibility of the name and the pay to the order of. Okay. And someone cashed the check, withdrew the money, and immediately closed that account, dissolving the company. Well, they dissolved the company. I'm not sure what they did with the account, I would imagine. And because it happened, the deposit happened at a separate, you know, a different institution, I wouldn't know the answer. and may never know. Got you. Well, the one thing about these investigations also, I found when you're dealing with banks, is they're not going to tell you. They, they do their own investigation, and they, they talk about privacy rights, even for criminals. So therefore, nobody's giving up any information. That's what's so frustrating about dealing with institutions and these kinds of investigations. Can you walk us through the response of the treasurer's office? The treasurer's office was, it was very helpful. First, they wanted to know what happened. But secondly, the biggest concern that I had was the large amount of interest and penalties that have been accrued. So I was able to get them to waive those fees and penalties. However, they still needed their check for an additional hundred dollars to $500,000, which the client, you know, they gave them a, a grace period of a couple of weeks, but the client had to, had to write them another check. Just out of curiosity, the uh, second time the client had to send out a check, did they mail it again? It's interesting because they did send it FedEx, which is the mode that they tried to avoid from the beginning. But this time the treasurer's office was looking for it and had very specific instructions how to get, get it to them. Let's talk about the Postal Service and the blue mailboxes you'll see outside of the post office. I would think if you're a regular old company and you offer a service and that service doesn't work, you're liable. I got a guy painting my house right now. If he messes up and my house leaks or something and there's damage from the water from that leak, he's got insurance and that insurance is going to cover whatever damage happens as a result of that. So like your client, I wouldn't be too perturbed if something happened because I know I would be made whole again. Now, now we're dealing with the government. And so I'm wondering, you know, does the U.S. Postal Service, like, I'm thinking they're the ones who are responsible for this on some level because their equipment, now that's just what I'm thinking right now, their blue boxes got robbed. There is a lot of stories out there. Who here on the podcast right now knows about a blue box getting robbed? Me. That's one. That's two. I do. That's Travis doesn't, but that's just because he doesn't feel like raising his hand because he has a sunburn. Alexander, I mean, apologies, Sasha, go first. Yeah, well, the blue mailbox right outside the post office in the town I live in has been broken into twice in the last three months. Wow. I've stopped putting checks in letters to be picked up in my mailbox outside of my residence and got in the habit of dropping it off at the post office. And the post office, the inside mailbox is only open during business hours. So on occasion, I've had to drop it off in that blue mailbox outside. One being my tax payment on uh -huh. April 15th of this year. Well, there was uh, several stories about the fact that thieves were so creative 
that they didn't waste time breaking into the mailbox. They simply ripped the mailbox out of the concrete, threw it in the back of a truck, and took it away. Sadly, I knew some kids in college who I didn't associate with because they were bad people who used to do that with payphones. Um, <laughs> I might have known them. At any rate, I think the statute of limitations is passed on that one. Um, this is this is intense, and I had no idea that blue boxes were being targeted. But there there is a rising incidence of these kind of crimes. Yeah, apparently it's uh, roughly doubled since 2022. Okay, so now we know. Um, the answer to this question is, you know, do you take time off from work like Sasha, a.k.a. Alexander, uh, does and go to the post office and drop stuff off? Do you walk your check to the place where it's supposed to go and hand deliver it to a person who can prove that they work for that agency? I mean, Adam, what do you do? You have you have a not inconsiderable tax burden, so how do you send your money? Well, uh, the overwhelming majority of the money that I send to state and federal authorities and local authorities yeah. uh, is electronically. That's how I do it. That's why, but it didn't even, you know, with, with the state of Connecticut, it still didn't work because they were too slow to just take the money out of my bank account. But uh, elec electronically is a thing. Alexander, may I ask, is there is that an option now going forward for your client? Yeah, so one of the questions that I asked the treasurer's office when I was speaking to them, I, I said that there is no way that the client could have avoided this situation happening. And they responded and said that there is a way. We do allow a direct debit as a payment or check that you can pay electronically. Well, there is. And you know what else there are? There's plenty of online crime, which is what the show is about. And so that is the other part of this equation, which is that while that's true, it's also true that people can scam you electronically. I want to talk about mail theft and preventative measures now. I have a mailbox. It currently doesn't even have a door because it's old and the door fell off and I haven't replaced it yet. Uh, but it's just sitting there at the end of my driveway, which is 800 feet long. So I can't see it. And anyone can go in there and rifle around and get what they want out of it. I probably should get a mailbox that locks. I don't have the problem you have. I'm just a lowly podcaster, Alexander. But what, how do you, do you have, like, have you thought about that? Have you thought about getting a, a, a locking mailbox or any, any other similar measures to counter these criminals out there? No, what I've, what I've thought about and done is not to mail anything that's check. Okay. From my mailbox. Uh, I reached out to the town that I live in where I pay property taxes and ask them if they allow for electronic payments. They do not. They actually allow for credit card payments, which they charge you a two and a half percent, you know, fee, but currently don't allow for electronic payment. Now, one thing I may want to consider is, is having checks cut directly from my bank, but that may not avoid the situation that the client ran into. You're still sending a paper check that could be intercepted. Yeah, and I mean, what strikes me the most, a criminal set up a bank account to receive your client's check specifically. Am I reading that right? So that means the criminal must know something about your client. So we're gonna talk about a friend of mine who I'm not gonna name, but I am gonna accurately describe where the houses are. They have a home in Rome, New Orleans, New York State, 
New York City, and I'm guessing other homes I don't know about. And so they as an individual can be tracked by a good identity thief, basically. Somebody who's going through and saying, like, this is what this is their portfolio of real estate. Now, I know from their social media posts, which in this case would be doable, that this time of year they're at the New Orleans house. So I know this time of year they still have to pay tax on the New York house. And so I can reliably know that that check is going to leave New Orleans, probably, you know, this location, yada, yada, yada. To me, like what I'm thinking is if there's $100,000 on the line, there's a group of Schlemiel's out there who've seen Ocean's Eleven and are organized and they're putting together a crime that works. I think that leaves out the uh, fact that the recipient is uh, something that people will be sending money to. You're not going to be sending a Christmas card or a love letter to a county treasurer. You're going to be sending them money. So if you just even happen to see that envelope as part of a wider mail theft scam, you'll probably be able to know that that is going to, in fact, have a check in it. Oh, sure. And you know all the addresses of, like, you can tell what a lot of them just say, like state tax authority or some version of that. Is the only answer to stop mailing checks. I think so. I, I think that the answer is that taxing authorities should make available to every person who is paying them the ability to go online to a secure site that's their site. Because a lot of times you'll get a bill now from different taxing authorities and will say, or you can pay online at our site, and they, they specify the site. And I think it's in everyone's best interest to actually do that. And if they only take a credit card that charges you 2.5% on the money you're sending, and you have to happen to be sending $200,000, that's a big chunk of change, Adam. Well, I've noticed with a lot of the sites now, what they'll say is you have the option of either paying by credit card or providing banking information to that site so they can make a direct debit that some people justifiably are a tad concerned about providing banking information directly to taxing authorities because many of them have proven they don't know how to safeguard that information. We have entire states where their entire tax base has become victims of a data breach. Well, not only that, but I don't want, like, I I don't have certain things on auto pay because I want to know what they're asking for first. And the state and the Fed is definitely two of those people that don't have access to my bank account willy-nilly. Um, so you are no mail check guy, Alexander. Travis, what about you? I mail checks, but I uh, pay a little bit extra for the confirmation of delivery and get them uh, insured if it's for anything above a certain amount. I I just blindly mail checks like a schmo. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to be something to like the uh, garbage company or whatever, where it's not going to be a huge <laughs> amount of money, that's one thing. But it's that uh, person's on auto pay from PayPal, actually. But <laughs> I have, I have no. But like, I think you know, I just sent a check. I what I do is I I use the little green form that you can get, which sends a postcard back to you, notifying you that they've received the piece of mail. And I send it certified and I haven't had a problem, but I'm also not sending checks for a lot of money. I'm sending, you know, very middle class amounts of money. And so I don't (laughs) think I'm a target. I do think that we're talking about here and Alexander, I can't thank you enough for opening your eyes to this because this begins to be the stuff of movies uh, where we have an organized criminal or criminals who are working together to achieve a common 
purpose, which is to get a nice payday. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is we all know generally that time of the year when people are paying property taxes, for example, as well as when people are paying federal and state taxes. So it's easy for these folks with fake IDs or having someone on the inside at financial institutions to actually know when to set up the account, how quickly they can set up the account before those dates so they can get in collect the money and get out. We may also be um, running the risk here of setting these guys up as being a little bit too sophisticated of a criminal enterprise. I would be surprised if anyone that's uh, stealing mail was going to be expecting something between $100,000 and $500,000. I think if they saw that, that could have just been a, a unicorn for otherwise a lot of uh, petty, smaller crimes. So then your guess, Travis, is that the, the order of operations here is fine check create credentials, set up what needs to be set up, get the check cashed, get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, I, I think if they, if you have even a small time, uh, thief or something that, that comes across that, then they're going to say, oh, wow. Okay. This is the big one. What do I do with this? What I think makes this whole process intriguing is that they deposit the check quickly. So the person who wrote the check sees that the check has been cashed. Right. They're good. And then by the time they realize the scam has happened, months have gone by and the county treasurer's office is now saying like, where's our check? You never paid us. So there's a lot. It takes, you know, three months for someone to figure out that the fraud has happened, not 10 days. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's why if you com feel compelled to send a large check to a taxing authority, you really should make sure that you send it with some form of receipt by the organization that they have in fact received the check. At least if they then contact you three months later and say, we didn't get your check, go, ah, excuse me, but I happen to have a receipt here signed by this particular person at your organization uh, indicating the check was received. Of course, the issue there is if you start doing this for every check you send out, it becomes problematic to track them. No, you would have to, you know, focus on the bigger checks and try to have direct debit on the others. Although I did notice with certain audits that the government will say, well, we see that we received something from you, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that what we received contained a check. So that's why you always have to look at the front and the back. And always, if it's a big check, make a copy of it if you're actually going to send something that's paper. Oh, you know what? I made I made copies of my checks too, and I'm you know right as I mentioned, uh, they're solidly middle class checks, but I still, I still, uh, you know, I document the heck out of it because I just don't want to be bothered, and it's a bother when things go walkabout. So, but one thing we do know is the United States Postal Service uh, and law enforcement they know this is an issue. They've been they've been implementing new measures which including like deploying high security collections boxes, replacing older locks with electronic locks, even increasing patrols to deter mail theft. But it does require, this trend does require all of us to be more vigilant because as much as anyone else can protect us, I think if you're not doing everything to protect yourself, um, you know, that's an issue. And I will say, I've mailed my taxes in without any of the protections that I mentioned that I now do. I've done it. I've been in a rush. Quarterly taxes were due. Just did it. 
and I on a on a wing and a prayer, and it got where it was going, and there was no incident. You never know when you're doing something in the presence of a criminal, but you have to behave as though you are always doing something in the presence of a criminal. And that's why I will pick up any check that you need delivered to any taxing authority for you. Then, of course, if it disappears, you'll know I did something with it. That's why I feel the way I feel, because I work with you. (laughs) (laughs) No, anyway, poor Alexander has to listen to us babble back and forth about this. So what is... What is the, the end of this story, or where do you see it? Is it over? Has, it, has everyone made whole yet, or is it still being investigated? Well, the institution that I work for did front the customer the money. They hopefully won't be on the hook based on the other institution's findings and not find themselves liable. While the investigation is going on, the client was made whole on the, the fraudulent check. So you're a Sasco Hill client, though. Uh, not saying he's from Sasco Hill. If I guess correctly, we'll we'll cut it. But um, you know that person is. I'm guessing if they're spending between a hundred and five hundred thousand dollars on a second home's taxes, that the firm that one of probably one of many firms he does financial stuff with can actually see a, see that money as a sound investment at client retention. It's not a huge amount of money in the big picture. And I I bring that up because you have to act as though the safety net isn't there and that there's no adults in the room and nobody's going to fix it for you. Because at the end of the day, you cannot rely. I love that your your client and friend has a, had, had a feeling that they would be made whole. But that's not always going to be the response. And if you don't think you're going to be made whole, you might be right. The way that you can avoid it, as Adam is fond of quoting the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, if you don't want to have your your mail stolen from a blue box. Don't be there. Yeah, don't be there. No, but and also, but I've seen a lot of situations, even with uh, extremely well-to-do individuals, that their financial institutions are not quite as forthcoming when it comes to making them whole, even though they should be for business reasons, they're not. And the tragedy is when you have a lot of people who are not necessarily well-to-do, who are middle and uh, lower-income individuals, who don't get their money back and are on the hook, which is a tragedy. And that's and for them, it is it is make or break sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So, Travis, I have a question for you. I know that you do business with a credit union. Mm -hmm. Do how do you think that the credit union would 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 behave in response to something like this? Because I know you've had other things that they've been helpful with. Well, it obviously depends on the size of the check, and it's uh, entirely hypothetical. But one thing that I found with credit unions is they are a lot better both with setting you up with protections ahead of time and then mitigating uh, the damage after something's happened. Well, we found with with both Credit.com and CyberScout that credit unions tend to be much more member-centric than big financial institutions are in terms of being depositor-centric. So I'm hearing from both of you that my bleak outlook is a little too bleak. I'm going to adjust it. But I do think that it is imperative upon everybody listening to know that this is a real thing. Someone may be rifling through the whole day's take of mail in a blue box, looking for things that obviously have checks in them and stealing them. And so... If you can pay electronically, 
I really can't think of any reason why you wouldn't do it. Because while I don't have a problem with the city of Ann Arbor every once in a while getting a check from me because I parked incorrectly, which does happen because I have a kid who goes to University of Michigan, um, we're talking about 20 bucks. I think that, it, you know, if you're sending any large amounts of money, think about think twice and see if there's a way to do it and that's safer. But, uh, you know, Alexander, to follow up on, on the story, too, I have a place in New Jersey where they were absolutely not direct debit and, in fact, say, send us your check, period. Anyway, Alexander, we truly, really appreciate your time in, in sharing your thoughts on this and, you know, opening our eyes to some of the issues that are raised. Uh, when checks disappear and end up being washed or altered. So thank you so much for, for spending time with us today. It's great. The pleasure's mine. I love that you've made me paranoid about something I wasn't paranoid about, which is really saying something. This is coming for the guy with the scaring his carrying shirt. It's yeah. I, I, As Alexander said, he's a listener of the show, and if you have a story, we want to hear it. So please get in touch with us at info at adamlevin.com. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And now it's time for our tin foil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to help keep you safe on and offline. What's on my mind, Travis? Nothing. Turducken. <laughs> <laughs> my God, are you... You, Adam, shush. You, Travis, turducken? <laughs> turducken, it's summertime. You're really making a turducken? No, I'm just thinking about it. What about you, Adam? Well, we've been talking about how mail theft is on the rise, okay? I thought we should probably go over best practices for how to protect your mail and make sure that what happened to Alexander's client doesn't happen to you. So the first thing I would say is sign up for informed delivery. It's free and they'll send you, they literally send you a picture of all the mail that's going to hit your mailbox the day before or the morning of. And so, you know, you know, when you're getting a check, you also know when you're getting a note from, let's say the IRS state taxing authority. So that'll ruin your entire day. But look, <laughs> if you see you're supposed to be getting a check and it never arrives, well, 
you know you got an issue. Yeah, but the caveat here is that you need to make sure that the email address that it's coming to is secure. Uh, sure. That is the digital equivalent of shoulder surfing, I guess. If you're using your pet's name across multiple accounts and you don't have two-factor authentication enabled, you may be sharing what to expect with anyone who has access to your account. But Travis, I must say, you are one paranoid person. It's a paranoid takeaway. True story. If you're mailing something sensitive, use the letter slots inside the post office or hand it directly to your mail carrier. That's a lot more secure than putting something in an unattended mailbox on a busy street. Or uh, I would say a not-so-busy street probably is more of a worry, but go on. Well, another big one is just to check your mail daily. And if you're going out of town, let your post office know so they can hold your mail. Having a whole bunch of accumulated mail is a signal that not only are you less likely to see a missed piece of it, but that your home is unattended, which opens up a completely separate can of worms. Okay, so this is... Home Ec 1975. Uh, this should go without saying, but but don't send cash in the mail. I know you know. Unless you have grandchildren, then you should send cash in the mail, but not a lot of cash. It, there's really no way to recover whatever it is that you decide to send. So if you're going to do it, send five bucks. Same goes for gift cards, any of that stuff. Just remember, you're not getting it back if it goes walkabout, so be careful. And if you're sending out anything important, pay a little extra for delivery confirmation you may want to require a signature from the recipient. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, we've all heard the uh, stereotypes about postal workers of going postal and things like that, but um, I personally found that to be entirely inaccurate. Most, if not all, of the people that I've spoken to have been happy to answer any questions about mail security and happy to help you out if you have any questions or concerns. All right, but, you know... Postal workers going postal? I love it. That's yeah, not- well... Adam, what? Did you hear Travis just said he has no experience of... If you had experience of postal workers going postal, Travis, we would be having you in counseling right now. Oh, sure. Okay. (laughs) And that's our tinfoil swan. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.